never remain free if they are not willing, if need be, to fight for their vital interests. In this present crisis, government is not the solution to our problem. Government is the problem. Praise Yahweh and pass the ammunition. The Restoration Hour with Pastor Eli James. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Pastor Eli James here. Today is May 2nd, 2020. And this is the Restoration Hour on Eurofolkradio.com. And our guest today is Dave Gehari of, uh, well, one of your websites is uh, W uh, Erasing the Liberty, right? Okay. Yes, that, sir. Okay. That's and, correct. Uh, and so you also have a publishing company. Maybe before we even get started, you can give out your contact info so can people, we've been talking about the Holocaust on the high seas by Philip F. Turney, USS Liberty Survivor. And uh, so people can get a hold of this book. Yes, Eli. Thank you. Um, I, I wanted to ask, uh, is there a way that folks can listen to this show live? Yeah, it's live right now. All they have to do is tune yeah, in. Yeah, no, so. I mean, like, what's the what's the address? Oh, to, yeah, to it's uh, www.eurofolkradio.com. And that's it. And they, yeah, they, and they should a, be able to see how to... Uh, right, there's a player at the top of the page... They just have okay. to click on it, and they have three options of what what, what uh, speed they want to download the show at, you know. So, gotcha. Uh, yeah, okay. Gotcha. Okay, great. Yeah, well, you mentioned EracingTheLiberty.com, and that, of course, is a, is a film project about the USS Liberty Massacre, which the book that, uh, that you have is about. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are actually two books on that website about it as well as, as, as long as, uh, not long, as well as uh, a t-shirt. Uh, okay. Well, actually many, um, versions of the t-shirt as far as sizes go. Um, and I am involved with other publishing projects as well. As you said, this one, the erasing Liberty is called rockstar publishing and rockstar was the name of the, USS Liberty, that was their code name, Rockstar. Oh, really? oh, really? okay. Yes. And, um, you know, I guess they all they all had a code name uh, and have a code name, um, a, like a, a, a handle. And right. sure. Rockstar was Liberties. And so it's called Rockstar Publishing because of that. And we also have Money Tree Publishing, which publishes a couple of books more coming uh, one is, of course, Andy Hitchcock's book, The Synagogue of Satan, which was banned all over the place. Right. And, uh, well, it's not banned anymore, obviously. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, well, you have we, it. <laughs> yeah, right. It's, right. it's not going anywhere unless something happens, you know, and anything could happen because, the you know, the reach of the enemy is long. Well, the, the economy could be locked down. You never know. <laughs> yeah, economy right. could be could be reset. Yep, yeah, exactly. There you go. Mm-hmm. That's correct. And um, Andy's other book, in the name of Yahweh, that's there as well on MoneyTreePublishing.com. And just 
just because, you know, at least one person, you know, said, geez, what is, what is money tree publishing.com mean? It sounds like, you know, yeah. you, you're uh, pagan. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, the guy said, I think it's, you think he said it sounded like um, Jewish? We, Sounds Jewish. Out, yeah, boy, we we were out to make money. Um, and I I remember I, I wrote back to the guy and I said, no, the reason the reason for that name is because I have a money tree, and I I like the name. Yeah. You know? Okay. And that's yeah. it. I don't have anything to do with anything else other than that. Um, and then of course. The other publishing company is Moonrock Books, and those are conspiracy books, which I think about half of them have been banned by Amazon. Of course, Andy's book was banned by Andy's books were banned by Amazon. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> right now, there's four books up on Money Tree Publishing: two of Andy's and two of Greg Felton's, The Host and the Parasite, and Exploding Middle East Myths. Host and the Parasite hasn't been banned yet, um, although it's extremely critical of you know our our bestest friends right in the Middle East. Um you know the great yeah. the great yeah. Zionist nation of Israel. And I don't know why. Um you know it is yeah. it is not. Well, but maybe it's, it's not just selling enough. <laughs> right? Yeah, just, yeah. Or, or maybe they just you know they just haven't you know gotten the urge to you know ruin somebody's life uh right? today. Yeah. But exactly. um so Moonrock Books is uh, are, are Jim Fetzer books, and of course Jim Fetzer is oh, yeah. involved in primarily the whole Sandy Hook uh, episode. How, where... How's that going? Because uh, the lawsuit and all the controversy about that. Uh, can you give us a quick update on that? Yeah, sure. So originally, uh, you know, I was involved in that lawsuit as the publisher, okay. and oh, wow. Jim and this other fella who was was not anymore one of the uh editors of the books which he never really did much editing of it but he had come up with a name nobody died at sandy hook and um he's out of the out of the lawsuit as 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 am i and jim jim remained and where it stands now is actually today's may 2nd so in 12 days there's going to be a second contempt trial, and uh, that is not going to be held at the court in the court. Uh, that's going to be held over the telephone because of this virus. Oh, I see. Horse hockey. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And okay. which I think met many, many, many more people are waking up to the fact that it, it is a bunch of crap. Right. Uh, you know, it's even made, you know. Or the fact that you know big tech is banning um, any alternative views about it, um, sure. especially those doctors in California, uh, which you know these these individuals and companies are, are just thoroughly disgusting um, and anti-American and, and need to Satanic. be yes and need to be destroyed yes uh, like like the mainstream media. So, I mean, there's no other real alternative than absolute destruction you know just atomize them yeah, you know they don't right. they, they should not be here they're bad for people uh and and, and hopefully that'll happen but um uh, what happened was that um 
Jim had uh, violated a confidentiality order uh, where the deposition that we had in Madison, Wisconsin, which I set up that, you know, I pushed for all of the parties to um, meet in Madison, Wisconsin, Mm -hmm. you know, together instead of separately, you know, having depositions all across the country. They want like they wanted me, for example, to get deposed in Pensacola. And I said, you know, you know, that doesn't make sense. Let's, you know, let's let's do everything together, because my purpose was to get Posner in front of the camera. And my my idea was, which I thought I was 100 percent correct, was that as soon as we locked down a deposition date and a videotaped deposition date and had it, you know, had it scheduled where Posner would have to come in front of the video camera, he would drop the lawsuit because that's what he did in previous lawsuits. And I thought for sure that was going to happen. And I don't know if we ever talked about this, this in detail, but at any rate, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So uh, he actually uh, showed up, um, which Uh was to me, yeah, it was right. surprising yeah. as hell. I can't believe he did. The Rothschild said, and, you better show up or we'll break your knees. Yeah, well, he showed up and, <laughs> and he sat there. You know, he sat there for, uh, you know, for his deposition was uh, almost nine hours. And he wow. sat there, you know, very graciously and, you know, no problem at all. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, that... That went well. Um, okay. and that was in May of last year, right after Memorial Day. And actually, the two days after Memorial Day, the like Tuesday and Wednesday after Memorial Day, the depositions happened over those two days. And and so since it was videotaped, uh, he, he didn't want – he never wants his face to be shown. If you've seen the guy on, like – mainstream media programs he's always shadowed out and darked out um, really because okay. he, he gets a lot of threats he says okay so you know people yeah. don't like him which is okay. true <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? They, okay. they really don't like him and right. so right. Well, was you know there that question? was just, was yeah. there anything material to suggest that jim fetzer lied in any of uh in any of his book uh or what's uh, so now he's in contempt, all right? No, um, okay. What happened was that in June of last year, well, what happened was that Posner's side submitted a legal document called a um, motion for summary judgment, and in that document, what you're asking the judge to do is to look at their their evidence and to make a ruling that there's enough evidence, there's enough facts in here that I can make a ruling without having to bring it to a jury. Right. And so our side actually did that as well, you know, a summary judgment. Okay. Um, And in this case, the judge ruled for Posner and, you know, decided that there was enough facts in there. Uh, that it did not have to go to a jury. 
jury trial was set for October, I think. So this was last June. I think it was June 17th. So at that point, the judge ruled that, um, you know, they would prevail in the, in the MSJ, the motion for summary judgment. And at that point, the only thing left after that from last June was waiting for October when the jury would meet to decide on the damages. But in the meantime, from the videotape deposition and the transcripts of the deposition, so we had in that room a, you know, Posner sitting at one end of the long table and at the other end was a videographer and next to Posner was a, like a court recorder. And so she transcribed, you know, what was videotaped, but she did it right there at the time. Right. So those two things were, were marked uh, confidential. Um, huh. And yes, so no one would be able to see them. And that happens in, you know, yeah. court, you know, sometimes. So Posner didn't want his face shown, okay, and and his side put in a request to have it marked as confidential, and the judge ruled that it yeah. could be marked as confidential. Yeah, all in their favor. Interesting. Okay. Yes. Yes. So, yes, everything was basically in their favor. And um, so that was, you know, not supposed to be shared. And so I got the videotape and I got the transcripts um, myself. Okay. You you have to pay for them. Sure. Um, And so I, you know, Jim one day asked for them, and I, and, and I said, sure, you know, here they are. And I said, but remember, these are these are under a confidentiality order. They're protected. Right. So you cannot share them with anybody. Um, but he okay. did. Oh, okay. So he shared them with um, a lady who was helping him with his case. And, and, and one of the reasons that and I'm saying a lady was helping with, one of, with his case is that it was because I was involved in it. It was virtually impossible to get legal representation. Sure. Nobody wanted to. I mean, even one of the lawyers who was helping us from out in California, who was a fan of Jim's, you know, I spent a lot of time on this, Eli. Right. Right, I bet. I bet. Yeah, yeah. 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 And he, oh, man. Okay. Well, it was it was a lot of time, and yeah, plus he went so all he, the way to Appleton, Wisconsin. Why Appleton? <laughs> Appleton. Yeah, is that what, what you said? Well, you said in Wisconsin, someplace in Wisconsin. Yeah, uh, Madison. Oh, Madison. Sorry. Okay. Yeah, Madison. That that's where that's where the the lawsuit was was filed. The complaint was filed in the county that Jim lives in Dane County. I see. And so, okay. you know, Madison uh, is, uh, I guess that's the county seat. Right. And so um, the lawyer in California, who was a, uh, who's a fan of Jim's, who volunteered to help uh, before he was, he was officially a lawyer, um, he, uh, he said, well, you know, one of the many times we, we spoke and worked on this, he said, you know, you're going to be able to find an attorney in Wisconsin, especially, you know, a, a, um, 
a young attorney right out of the box. Right. Um, and who'd want to make a name for herself. Anyway, I tried everybody. I went from, yeah. you know, the young attorney just out of law school, just to, past the bar to, to the dying the, Jew attorney. <laughs> yeah. To, to, to the established attorney right. who, you know, first amendment attorney who, yeah. you know, they, they tell you on their websites, um, that, um, you know, they uh, they will defend your first of well no nobody yeah. wanted no. so yeah so the only reason we were at at that point looking desperately for a lawyer is because me as the publishing company they sued the company so companies can't represent themselves pro se so you need a lawyer uh-huh. and it was just really chance luck that you know one of the people who we knew who's who's a lawyer in Wisconsin. Um, Although she couldn't do it because, and I've experienced this a lot, is that the the good attorneys are the ones that the system goes after to disbar. So they came after her, so she couldn't do it in Wisconsin. And, but she knew somebody. And so she introduced me to him and he actually, you know, took it. Okay. which was shocking. Right. So <laughs> I'm shocked. <laughs> yeah, it was shocking. Now he yeah. took it. And so since he took it, he was able to then allow the attorney in California to represent me primarily via something called pro hoc vice, which is Latin. So the Latin term, which means that uh, somebody from another jurisdiction could practice in another jurisdiction if another lawyer you know uh, if they're tied to another lawyer and so so that happened Mm -hmm. but this particular lawyer from california he was there for a little while but then he realized it was it was not going uh the way that he suspected it would because he sensed that the judge had already decided Mm. what he was going to do right and he suggested that i settle uh, because it didn't look good and I said, you know, screw that. I said, I'm not settling. This is a First Amendment case. We, you know, we, we, we're writing this and we have a right to, you know, yeah. the law is pretty clear. But he knew, you know, he was a lot wiser yeah. than I was. And he saw how it was going. And, you know, the judge was, you know, moving it along. Mm-hmm. So Posner's side would prevail. And sure. Sure. and that's what happened. So. Okay. So the you know the, the lawyers were gone after I got out after I settled and got out of it, and Jim was on his own, okay. as was the other fella, you know, because no lawyers would take the case. And, sure. and again, it's not from a lack of trying, believe me. Yeah, right. Lots of hours <clears throat> were spent trying to get representation. Yes, you would think, just like the lawyer in California thought. It would be easy to do it once. And I told him that it's not going to be easy because I had experience with not just this, but other matters like Wolfgang Halbig, you know, where Wolfgang had called me back in, I think, 2015 and said he was done uh, because he couldn't get a lawyer. And I said, hold on a second. You know, let me see what I could do. And I got him a lawyer, you know, but, you know, that was, again, using my contacts. And after that, 
I was done. I didn't have anybody else to go to, and right. neither did he. So it's not like you've got a country of 300 and something million people with a, a whole lot of lawyers, and, th- and there's lo- and those lawyers are ready to represent anyone. That's not true. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're not out there ready to represent anyone. Right. They're there to you know make sure that they don't get on the wrong side of the court because they're officers of the court and they're part of the system. Right. So, you know, there are very few who, you know, step out of bounds, you know, for what they believe in. Right. And that's that's very problematic. Yeah, you virtually have to be your own lawyer these days uh, because nobody's going to buck the the Jew system. Nobody. No, exactly. So. Okay. Yeah, so, so what so happened? Maybe, yeah, oh, yeah, so where's Jim at now with this situation? Well, what happened was Jim, you know, shared the the videotape. Oh, okay. This with this lady who was helping him, and again, I'm, uh, what I, the reason I, I veered off and talked about the lawyers is because she was also she is also a disbarred lawyer, huh. Um, huh. but you know she she's she knows the law. And because he couldn't get anybody, any lawyers, you know, I can understand why he wanted to, you know, share this with her. Sure. The problem wasn't that he shared it with her, although he should not have because it was protected. The problem was, was that after someone else found that she found out that she had it, he pressured her to give it to him. And that's someone else. That someone else was Wolfgang. Oh man! And 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 even that wouldn't have been so bad. But what (laughs) happened was that Wolfgang took the video because he had it in his possession, and he took a few screenshots of the video and he emailed it to a ton of people. Oh boy! And and at least one of the people that he emailed it to got it to Posner. Ah. My and that was, that was the contempt. So that was the first contempt. And in that first contempt hearing, because Posner's side filed a motion to find Fetzer in contempt for do, even though he didn't do it, he shared right. it and someone did. Right, right. In that first contempt hearing, he was fined seven thousand dollars. Oh my God! Okay. Which was for paying the legal fees of Posner's attorneys for having to deal with the contempt issue. Sure, sure. Even though we found out later, Posner's attorneys are doing it pro se. (laughs) Or not pro se, pro bono. All for free. Right. All for free. Right. Interesting. So, yeah. Yeah, well, they're they're getting money through the back door anyhow. So, so, right? Well, I I don't know. really Really pro bono, I doubt it. I don't know what's going on. Mm -hmm. You know, it would be nice to be able to find out but i was surprised when i heard that Mm -hmm. and now what happened was besides the video he also shared the transcripts which i procured from the person in wisconsin who was there that day and gave to him and he shared it with that same lady attorney who was disbarred and she actually because she's hate she hates posner and is angry about the whole thing. She actually put that up on her website. Wow! So she put up the videotape deposition and the transcript up there. So Posner found out about it, 
They went after Fetzer again, <laughs> and on May 14th is the second contempt, tr- uh, you know, hearing about this. Wow, wow. So Isn't that double jeopardy? Isn't that double jeopardy? Uh, yeah, no, I think no. it's pretty clear with some with protected material, you're not supposed to share it. Wow. So And he did, and even though, you know, he didn't do it, someone else did, you know, that's a problem. And right. so Yeah, he started the train now, the chain What's that? He started the chain of events. Yeah, he started it. Yeah, right. That's right. So what what can happen is there's a couple of things that can happen. They asked to be able to go into Fetzer's computer and all the other people's computers who, who they know had it and track down all of these uh, <laughs> other people they sent it to and right. literally do like a forensic investigation of every person who accessed the video and the transcript, yeah. you know, around the world and, right. and have Fetzer pay for that. Um, wow. The judge didn't wow. allow, yeah, the judge, it was pretty, pretty broad. Yeah. The judge didn't allow right. it. Uh, yeah. But what could happen here is is he could be fined some more, or he could be um, ordered Jail. jailed. Right? Well, yes, he could be ordered to, um, you know, do certain things or not do certain things, and he could also be jailed. Yeah. And uh, there's yeah. you know, Jim's, wow. He's going to be eighty this December coming up. And, you know, there's a possibility he could be jailed for six months. Yeah. So okay. I hope. Yeah, yeah, we'll see what happens. All right. Yeah. And, and then the, the other part of it is that he is appealing the judge's ruling on the motion for summary judgment, which happened last June. He's appealing that it was due May 27th. But because of this virus hoax, it's oh. now, due, I think. June 1st, and it may even extend because they're milking this hoax, obviously, for as long as they can. And so pretending that it will never be normal again and you can't shake hands and, you know, get used to, right. you know, or yeah. Look, look, look anybody in the eye. <laughs> yeah, right. That, that's next. Yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, so that's where it stands on that. So that's the other publishing company we have. And then we have one more publishing company, and that's probably the last one we'll have. And that's called Turning the Tide Publishing, and that's a new imprint. Uh-huh. It has on it two two books right now. One called um, Blood Money: The Civil War and the Federal Reserve, which uh, you know talks about the the real me the real reason for the Civil War, which was not uh-huh. slavery or secession, um, but money. Yes. Gee, surprise! Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah. and the other book is a book we migrated over from Money True Publishing, which didn't really belong there, which was side effects death so though and that's uh like i said turning the tide publishing moonrockbooks.com money tree publishing and erasing the liberty.com all right okay all right so uh people in the chat room are talking about um uh, one person said he read the erasing the liberty a few years ago uh, but this book is entitled holocaust on the high seas and it's by philip f turney and uh I don't know, is it Erasing the Liberty by him as well, or is that a combined effort with other authors, or uh, what's the difference between the books? Yep. Well, when, you know, when the, when the massacre happened, and it wasn't, it was never referred to as a massacre, uh, which, 
Mm-hmm. It just wasn't. You know, right. um, when when it happened on June eighth, nineteen sixty seven, which it's coming up on the fifty third observance of the massacre. Of course, they were threatened uh, by an admiral right. who had come aboard the Liberty as it was limping toward dry dock. Yeah, Admiral Kidd, yes. K-I-D-D, yes. Mm-hmm. That's correct. And his, his father was, I believe, also an admiral, and uh, he, was, uh, he was killed at Pearl Harbor. So um, he might have been even you know, the first officer killed there. I, I, I don't know for sure. Uh, well, I can't recall right now for sure. But um, at any rate, so he came from a, you know, a long naval family. Um, but, um, kid came aboard the Liberty as it was, as I said, limping, limping to, to dry dock. And he interviewed uh, a bunch of the crew. Right. And, the the enlisted, uh, you know, he, he, he heard what they had to say, and then he, you know, he became real stern and threatened them. Right. Uh, you know, and so most of them didn't forgot even the day they were the, the day they were attacked uh, because they were ordered never to talk about it. Right. And it wasn't until <laughs> what's that. Yeah, I, I think everybody remember, remembers the date that John F. Kennedy was killed. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. But you can't remember the exact date yes. right, that this happened. Yeah, That's so, interesting. Yeah, well, they ordered yeah. you not to remember, right? They, they ordered never to, never to talk about this to anybody or, you know, you'll go to jail or worse. And, of course, when you're a young sailor, um, and there were not just sailors on board. There were sailors. There were, there were three Marines. Uh, and there were three uh, civilians, and out of a crew of about three hundred. Uh, but when you're a young, you know, kid, you know, serving your country, you say, "Okay, well, you know that, you know." Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. and so you know, you were you were in the military as I was, so you know, we know the the score. And right. Yeah. Well, I was young, twenty-two years old when I was drafted, so. Uh, I, I was pretty much more savvy than the younger guys that, that uh, came into the military. Uh, plus, my mother had uh, alerted me to the uh, unethical behavior of the Jews. <laughs> yes, yeah, she, no. She, she hated what Jews. And, and so, she, so she brought me up right. <laughs> right? <Yeah. laughs> so, so I was looking out for him. In fact, uh, there were only two Jews that I ran across in my entire you know, two years stint in the military, and both of them were, how should I put this, they were so obnoxious that even other Jews hated them. <laughs> and that's how they wound up in Vietnam, right? Wow. But, yeah, but uh, uh, l- let me uh, uh, just go into this a little bit, because on the back you have a, a review, and, of course, this well, well, is... Yeah. Go ahead. Well, uh, let, me, let me answer your question first, okay, because... All right. You know that you asked about a race and liberty, and that's, and I don't mean to cut you off, but I wanted to answer it fully. Sure. Um, so, so what happened was they, so they stopped. You know, they, they, a lot of them forgot about it. This was in '67. It wasn't until around 1979. So, you know, 12 years later, that uh, they started to think and think about it because what happened was a book came out. Um, and then another book came out, and that other book was by one of the 
one of the um, member, the crew crew members of of the mm-hmm. ship. Okay, and that's what really got it going. So, and once once you know word spread throughout the crew in the various places that they were at, uh, that they're talking about it. Well, then they formed this Liberty Veterans Association, and then uh, of course uh, American Free Press, um, the Spotlight. Um, first American free press, uh, helped to expose the story to, you know, the wider public who of course knew nothing about it because, uh, they put the lid on it right? Yeah, because of who was, who did it. And so what happened was that, um, that, that one book came out, but then in 20, 2011, one of the, writers at American Free Press, Mark Glenn, who's still around. Um, I just communicated with him a couple of weeks ago. Uh, he worked with Phil to write a book called What I Saw That Day. Okay. And if you look inside the book in the first couple of pages, you'll see that it says this book is a, is an abbreviated and amended version of what I saw that day. Okay. But what I saw that day was a good book, but it was filled with a bunch of stuff that was really unnecessary for folks to understand what happened with the Liberty. Okay. And so it branched off into a lot of stuff that really took away from folks gaining the knowledge they need about the Liberty. Yeah. So Phil and I talked about, that and, and we had talked about this actually for several years about introducing a an abbreviated version of that and and it finally came to its fruition so um in reference to erasing the liberty which also started as a project in 2015 based on what i saw that day that just became much larger and and i wrote that book um you know phil isn't a writer and that's not to take anything away from him a lot of people aren't writers mm-hmm. uh but I, I wrote that as okay. Mark Glenn wrote, you know, what I saw that day. And then I went through what I saw that day and I stopped it at the point where Phil left the Liberty and left everything else off. And I cleaned up the errors in there okay. uh, and added a lot of photos. Okay. So, yeah, yeah well, it's, it's so a beautiful book. It's a wonderfully produced book. So, uh, and it's uh, something like in the order of 108 pages or so. And uh, so yeah, it's, I think it's like 126 okay. pages total. But yes, and it's got in a you know a, a lot of appendices in there, which talk about you know the liberty you know in re, in, in in reference to some of the people who never believed that it was you know a case of mistaken identity and right and. A, you right. mentioned yeah. Tom well, Moore. Yeah. Right. Well, throughout the narrative, uh, Phil a- emphasizes the fact that the Israelis knew that they were attacking an American ship. There's no doubt about it. Uh, he expressed, uh, he recalls his shock when he realized because they, they had flown uh, eight hours worth of flybys. Well, six hours. Six, six, six hours. hours. Six yeah. hours worth of flybys. Uh, without any incident, and they were all marked uh, Israeli marked aircraft, according to his narrative here. So they thought they were fr- he, he thought they were friendlies. 
and then all of a sudden they're, they're being attacked, and uh, they ultimately realize hey, that these uh, these are Jewish pilots flying Jewish airplanes, and uh, he began to realize that our so-called ally was the one doing this attack. And, you know, he couldn't figure out why at that time. You know, he's, he talks about that toward the end of the book. And, uh, but nevertheless, he, he uh, expresses his utter amazement that, uh, that the Israeli state was trying to sink their book. You know, a friendly, I mean their boat, their friendly U.S. boat. But the, uh, uh, the little review here at the back of the book, Stunning, the best and most action-packed summary of the events surrounding the attack on the USS Liberty yet to appear in print. And yes, it's a really uh, easy read. It's a quick read. It's got all the facts that you need to know about the whole story. But it's basically Phil Turney's uh, personal experiences and uh, you know the things that he went through, which are quite astounding what uh, he had to go through. But he talks about the fact before, once he got on the ship, he was reassigned from another ship. Uh, it took him quite a while because there's a lot of secrecy about this ship to realize it was a spy ship. <laughs> okay, it uh, he finally realized that it was a spy ship, but he was a uh, a repairman who uh, had to go into the spy area that he calls the uh, the CT. The uh, I think it's the uh, uh, communications technicians. They were called communications technicians, uh, but they're spies. You know, they're, they're using all this equipment as spy equipment. But uh, he was one of the few people who wasn't a CT to go in there because he had to make repairs. And when he did go in there to make repairs, they covered all the equipment with sheets. So he probably still doesn't have any idea today what kind of equipment was in there, but I'm sure they had radar, right? Radar and, you know, Computers, yeah. blah blah. Go ahead. Yeah, your comment. At yeah, point. that's right. Yeah. So the the crew was just about three hundred, and about two hundred of the crew were communications technicians, and about a hundred were what's called ship's company, mm-hmm. and they were the sailors who made the ship run. Right. Okay. And so they had their area. In, in the ship that was off limits to anyone without crew. you know proper clearance yeah, right the crew essentially <laughs> right. yeah the crew <laughs> you know there's 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 you know were you know there's there's stories going around that even the captain wasn't allowed but that's not true uh, the captain was allowed in all the spaces in the ship but but as a damage controlman which Phil was uh, they were also allowed in all of the places of the ship because obviously right. if Had if something repairs. happened they yeah. would need to get in so right yes yeah. so there, and there were there were i think five different sub ratings of the ct rating or this you know that uh mm-hmm. you know one of them repaired the equipment uh one of them were like operations one of them were linguists one of them were the Morse code. So they had different specializations for right. the CTs. And uh, you would have, obviously, well, really the whole purpose of, of, of the CT rating is to snatch communications from right. the air. Mm-hmm. You know, So that was their job, to grab signals 
to grab communication signals and then that and then and then grab them and then uh let's say they grabbed some you know signals from egypt you know they, they wouldn't you know translate them there they would send them off to you know let's say the nsa because the, the ship was under the command of the national security agency mm-hmm. uh, and the joint chiefs of staff right yeah because because of its its job so yes. yeah the, he says there's only one man aboard who worked for the nsa that was alan blue who uh, well I, well we don't yeah we don't know that for sure but okay. no no, that's the thing. Now, the, the the Liberty story is is filled with a lot of lore and uh, mythology. Okay. So the important thing about this book is that it's from the eyes of one of the people who was obviously there, sure, and who had a you know a significant role in going throughout the entire ship because he was in damage control. And although he was injured, as most of them were, he wasn't, you know, fatally injured or, you know, mortally wounded. Um, right. And, uh, you know, he he has a good recollection of what happened. Right. Um, yeah, this is all recollection, but, personal recollections yes. he's touring here, right? Yes. That's, but, that's what makes it such a good read. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But there's, but there's you know, a lot of, like I said, a lot of mythology about the Liberty you know, one one of them being that you know, when Johnson called the called the jets back, who were coming to the aid of the Liberty, that uh, he said he wants the Liberty at the bottom of the you know the goddamn sea. Yeah. Uh, right. Which which is not it's just not true. Okay. Um, yeah. Right. So um, that's that's one of them. but there's a lot of there's a lot of mythology. But go ahead. I'm sorry for interrupting you. No. That, well, that, that's interesting because. Uh, you, know, you hear stuff like that; it's very dramatic and plausible, <laughs> from what I know yeah. about LBJ, right? Because uh, he was a, a Zionist to the hilt, yes, and a communist, pro-communist, pro-Zionist, probably the worst president we've ever had, even worse than Obama and FDR. But uh, but FDR was one of the worst because he created the monstrosity of bureaucratic government we have today, which was exploited by LBJ. Okay, so FDR yes. laid the foundation of the gigantic bureaucracy. It was just all unconstitutional, every last bit of it. All the new agencies he created, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, so yes. um, yeah. Now, uh, all right, it, it, but he says they they also learned there was another spy ship in the air, <laughs> the USNS Private Jose F. Valdez. Yes. Like Liberty, Valdez was tasked with receiving and then retransmitting intelligence signals back to NSA. Where the uh, that ship differed from Liberty, however, is that it was for the most part manned by civilians working for the NSA. That's interesting. Yes. So, uh, so uh, well, if they had to sacrifice, let's assume that the NSA knew that they were putting the Liberty in danger. Well, they would put the Liberty in danger rather than an NSA-populated ship, right? Well, um, you know, again, that's another another theory mm-hmm. about the Liberty. That, right, okay. You know, they there was another spy ship in the area, uh, the Valdez. And, uh, you know, the Valdez could have done 
what the Liberty did, but why did they let the Valdez mm-hmm. leave and, <clears throat> you know, the then Liberty bring the stay. Liberty in? Right. Well, the Valdez was, was leaving anyway. It was heading out. Right. So, right. um, there, you know, one, it was done with its, its crews. Sure. And so it was, and yes, the Liberty was diverted from obviously the West coast of Africa, which as you know, uh, that's where they were, were patrolling, right. You know, got signals there up and down the West coast of Africa. And they were diverted from there to the Eastern Mediterranean. Right. So, you know, why did they, um, yeah, why couldn't they let the Valdez do it since it was already there? (laughs) Right. Yes. But but because, like I said, it was, it had done its job and, and it wasn't capable, um, of doing. Oh, okay. uh, And I, and I, I interviewed someone who, uh, is still very much alive and, you know, I know about why the Valdez wasn't in there, and that's in Erasing the Liberty. Okay. Um, you know, so it it just couldn't do the, couldn't do what Liberty did. I see. Okay. It was not capable of doing what Liberty did. Um, so Liberty was raced there uh, to the Eastern Med, yeah. and of course, a lot of the information is <clears throat> you know still classified and top secret sure. and sure. probably never be released um, yeah. because of s- sources and methods. So, and that's, th- those are the two terms that are used most frequently when they bury stuff because, you know, you don't want your sources and methods revealed. Right. And which, which kind of makes sense, obviously. Uh, yeah. But, um, yeah. you know, it doesn't really matter uh, for me this stuff. And, and the reason it doesn't is, is actually I'll, I'll explain that, you know, toward the end about why that doesn't matter uh, to me, but go ahead. Okay. Well, he goes on to say that the Liberty uh, was a class of ships called the victory class from world war two. And he says that these, these ships were very easily sunk. Okay. And uh, because if they got hit by a torpedo, they would just sink sink like a rock, right? And uh, yes. so it was kind of like, if it's in a war zone, it's kind of like a suicide boat, all right? Uh, yes. And, and then he says on page 16, we later learned after ha- having been deployed there and that a, a warning had been sent out by the JCS, the Joint Chiefs of Staff, that right. we were to remain at least 100 miles away from the conflict. We only learned from, of this order well after the fact, for the simple reason we had never received it. Considering the fact that we were basically a giant floating radio station, there is little chance that we missed it if it actually had been sent. We could pick up anything from anywhere around the world, and especially something as important as the radio transmission from, to say the least, headquarters? Right. Right. Yes. Yes. Considering, <laughs> yeah, considering that the Liberty was, you know, basically a floating, you know, radio station. Yeah. Um, that, that's yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. That's something that, um, 
is a mystery about what you know how that happened. There is actually a congressional hearing about that, um, which one of the members of that of that hearing that was in I think it was in '67. Um, one of the one of the members of that uh, that hearing, of course, it was secret. Um, yeah, was uh, a big. Uh, a congressman uh, or congressman made a mark in my congressional district. I'm I'm in the I'm in Florida and I'm in the first congressional district, and my congressman is Matt Gates, which a lot of people know um, know this fella because he gets a lot of you know press time. Um, that was Bob Sykes, and Bob Sykes was was on that uh, committee uh, and that hearing that they they were trying to. Um, figure out how it was that uh, there were all the all of these communications problems. Yeah, that uh, you know, it, it just didn't make sense how that happened. It was uh, De- defense subcommittee um, is what it was, uh, and uh, that information unfortunately is classified uh, still today. I tried to get it. It's a report to the committee on appropriations, U.S. House of Representatives, on the effectiveness of the worldwide communications systems and networks of the Department of Defense. That was August 14th of 1967, so it was a couple months after the massacre, um, where they tried to figure out how it is that the Liberty didn't get the signals to move 100 miles offshore. Um, But they didn't, and... You know, yeah. What what happened is what happened is what's important, and yeah. and that's what I was alluding to before. Not all this other stuff. You know, what happened is what's important. How how it happened, <clears throat> and yeah. and that is what really needs to be focused focused on. Okay. Well, on page seventeen, he says once daybreak arrived, we started receiving visitors in the form of overflights of our ship. I did not see the initial flights because I was below deck doing my job, but the other guys were telling me about them. The planes were unquestionably Israeli, as the Star of David was easy to see, and knowing that our quote-unquote friends were checking on us caused the general mood to improve dramatically. The way the guys described them, those were surveillance planes, low and slow. And these overflights lasted approximately six hours around noon, the flights stopped altogether. So they assumed, well, this was just like reassuring, you know, these Americans that their favorite ally (laughs) was checking up on them and, you know, just making sure they were, you know, safe and blah, 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 you know, the the same. And then so they would, in chapter two, he talks about, well, the whole crew assumed that it was those bastards, the Arabs, were the ones attacking us. After which they finally realized that it wasn't Arabs at all. It was Israelis. Okay. And then he starts talking about the attack, which is it's, it's bad enough to you know, have one wave of you know, jets and airplanes firing um, 50 caliber machine guns at you. And then have another wave of, uh, you know, what do they call it? It's... Uh, Rockets, I guess, the, the, the ones that made the big holes in the side of the boat. 
Yep. Okay, okay, so there's three, uh, ultimately three types, and the last one was the torpedoes. So, yes. Uh, so there was wave after wave after wave of terror. Uh, he doesn't use the word terrorism in this book, but I think it's very much uh, uh, worth saying that, that this was a terrorist operation by the Israeli state because they were trying yes. to terrorize these soldiers. And they did a yes. damn good job. Of, over to you at this point. Yes, 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 that's right. So it's, and that's another thing. It's undeniable that uh, they were overflown uh, for all those hours. And it's also undeniable that the crew of the Liberty, probably all of them, uh, were rooting for Israel to kick Arab butt. Right. So... You know, this is what they knew, you know, and like Phil says in there, you know, they learned in school the poor Jews uh, <laughs> with Hitler oy, right. and, and the Holocaust. Six million. Yes, right. the six million. And, and you know, you feel, sorry. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, feel sorry for the for the poor, poor Jews and, you know, hope they can kick the Arabs ass. As a matter of fact, they were you know, making, you know, homemade Israeli flags to root for them. Right. Uh, and so, yes, the the planes that were surveilling the Liberty from about six in the morning till about noon. So about two hours before the massacre began, uh, it was clear that they were Israeli planes. Right. Because okay. they were... They had Israeli markings, mm -hmm. and you know they, they had the Star of David, right. and they were they they were uh, French. The French supplied a lot of the weaponry to Israel um, at this time in history. Yes, uh, that changed after the after the Six Day War because they protested because they saw what what they did, um, and they they stopped supplying weapons to them, but. At the time, they had a lot of French equipment, so the um, the surveillance uh, propeller planes were Nord Noratlases, French planes uh, that they called flying boxcars, um, and so they were moving, like they said, low and slow, and they were they were so close that uh, many of the Liberty crews saw the Israeli pilots, and they you know were waving to them, right. and. And so they knew for sure that it was, you know, a U.S. ship, without yes, a doubt. Without a doubt. You know, right. And, and there's and there's other reasons why they knew because, and this isn't in, again, this book as as is, um, what I saw that day are written from the perspective of Phil, what he remembered, what he remembered, which is a which is a whole hell of a lot. Right. Uh, but the other stuff that was that I researched is not in here, and that's in Erasing the Liberty. And, of course, when the, the revision to Erasing the Liberty comes out, there's going to be more stuff in there that was uncovered. Uh, so, you know, the the French planes were were surveilling. Well, Israel, Israeli planes, but procured from the French, were surveilling for that long. They knew exactly everything about the ship. Right. The crew thought they were there to protect them against the nasty Arabs. Right. But the night before, and you're talking about that 100 miles, 
right. The night before Israel threatened the United States via the defense attache in Tel Aviv that they should move the Liberty away from the shore or they were going to sink it. Wow, I had never heard of that. Right, of course, that's, that's the thing. Uh, so, you know, this book is important in the sense that it's from an eyewitness to the massacre. But erasing the liberty is important from the sense that uh, it, it ties a lot of this stuff together that, you know, we didn't know about. Right. right. Uh, so, yes, they were threatened uh, that they would go after it. So, so, so the United States knew, obviously, that Israel knew right. that you know, liberty was there. So the whole mistaken identity lie. Okay. Uh, is is obvious. Uh, there's no such a thing as that. They knew exactly what it was. They threatened the United States if they didn't move, they would. They, so they told them what they were going to do. Right. Supposedly, the United States then told the Liberty to get away, get a hundred miles away, and Liberty never got those signals. Right. Which is why Bob Sykes on that committee looked into how that failed. Right. You know, right. it's funny how we have all these failures, you know, right, exactly. like uh, you know, 9-11, yeah. you know, the Liberty, mm-hmm. um, you know, so so that's what happened. Uh, they knew for sure that it was the Liberty. Uh, they actually had admitted it. They they identified it from James fighting ships, uh, that book wow. still around, I think. And so they knew 100 percent that it was the Liberty. They also knew 100 percent that they wanted it out of the way, and then I guess later on we'll talk about why they wanted it out of the way. Okay, well, is okay, this, well, uh, was this premeditated then, even before they warned the, the U.S. that we, we don't want this ship within 100 miles? Or, I don't think so. Okay. Yeah, I think that, you know, because of what they were doing, because of what Israel was doing at the time, and this, this particular event is perhaps one of the most important events in modern history mm-hmm. for us as Americans uh, because of what Israel did and how it's still impacting us to this day. Um, they had a mission to complete, and the United States was, you know, had one of their, had the most sophisticated uh, spy vessels in the world right off the coast. And they could pick up pretty much any signal right. that they wanted to. And in order for Israel to carry out its illegal land grab, they needed that ship out of the area. Yes. Because if they did pick up those signals, then they could notify D.C. And then D.C. could apply pressure on Israel. And they wouldn't be able to, to com- complete the last leg of their illegal land grab, which was the Golan Heights. Uh, because what most people don't realize, and, and the only reason that I know this, that I, what I know, is because I immersed myself in it and studied it as much as I did. And so, um, and, and the good thing about books is that, you know, you can read stuff that people spend a lot of time on and get all the information that they got. Uh, is that um, we were very close, the United States, I shouldn't say we, the United States was very close uh, to uh, getting involved because of Israel mm-hmm. in, a, um, in, in, a, in a massive conflagration with the Soviet Union. Right. 
it was actually that close that the Soviet Union was was already preparing. They they got rights from Yugoslavia to land planes. They were preparing to drop paratroopers in between Damascus and and Tel Aviv because they expected, um, you know, an assault. So, you know, you know, the Liberty was sent there to make sure that, you know, nothing went so far that it would start World War Three. Okay. All right. Okay. They just postponed it. <laughs> yes, yeah, probably. Right. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, he does mention that uh, while uh, they were uh, kind of floating around, and uh, I think, I can't remember if it was before they got underway, after the attack was finally over, he said there was a Soviet ship trailing them uh, throughout the entire night. The, that ship did not attack them. Uh, but in the morning, uh, two American vessels uh, came, and then the Soviet ship departed. Okay, so uh, I'm wondering, you know, because I don't think the the, the Russian, if if that ship was run by Russians and not Jews, I don't think they would be interested in you know assisting in sinking the Liberty. Okay, so uh, you know maybe they were there to just just in case uh, to help out. That's what occurred to me. Any any indication of that? Yeah, no. What it what it was was that at the time the Soviets were, uh, or they had a significant presence in the Eastern Mediterranean. Okay. And you know they were regularly harassing U.S. and U.K. shipping. Okay. Uh, the navies. And uh, this is just something that they do, you know, yeah, and sure. they did and they do, you know, and, and, you know, I don't know if the U.S. harasses, you know, I mean, when I was in the Navy, I was on a submarine. So, you know, I wasn't able to discern <laughs> that because I was underwater. Right. Um, uh, and plus, my job wasn't, you know, part of, you know, the operations. I was in the engine room. But I think that, um, you know, the Soviet ship that was there, and like I said, there were a lot of Soviet ships in, in the Eastern Med at the time. The Soviet ship that was there saw that, you know, the Liberty was attacked. Right. And they nicely offered assistance. Oh, they did. Okay. Yes, which was, which was politely declined by... Uh, by the captain, but they did offer assistance. So they saw what the what the nasty state of Israel did. Yeah, the nasty Jews did, right? Yes, okay. exactly. And they uh, offered help, which was very nice of them. Yes, that's what I suspected. So, that's exactly yes. what I suspected. Yes, right, that's so, what uh, happened. Okay, but I don't think that they had any other involvement in it. Okay, yeah. All right. So on page twenty six, uh, this is where. It really begins to sink in that these were Jews. These were Israeli boats. On page 26, at last, the Jets realized they would not succeed in sinking us, and they called off their attack and left. Before we could breathe a sigh of relief, however, the voice of Captain McGonagall came over the intercom, ordering the ship's crew to prepare for torpedo hit starboard side. 
I looked out to see the motor torpedo boats MTBs coming at us at a high rate of speed. Unlike the jets, these MTBs were proudly flying their flag with its telltale Star of David. When I saw the flag and the high rate of speed at which they were coming at us, I, he was still under the illusion, I breathed a sigh of relief. Okay. Down at the bottom of the page 27, he says, I can't speak for the rest of the crew because I can't read their minds, but for me, the knowledge that this had been done by a friend, namely the Israelis, filled me with a seething rage. I was determined to do whatever was necessary and at whatever cost to save the ship, whatever way I could. For some reason, knowing we had been betrayed by the Jews, I'll just fill in some words here, made me mm-hmm. stronger. Okay, as angry as I was at that time, however, it would be nothing compared to the anger I would experience later when I learned the terrible truth that we were betrayed not only by Israel, but also by others even closer to home. Obviously, he's talking about American politicians and American Navy people. Okay, so mm-hmm. so th- this is his immediate reaction upon realizing that the, the Israeli state did this. <coughs> And then, and then, you know, and then they had uh, conferences among themselves. The survivors talked among themselves. How could this? How could this happen? How could the the Israeli state attack us? What's what the hell's going on? So, uh, so I'm sure he talked to you about all this stuff. I'm sure he's still angry today. And uh, I had had a similar experience in Vietnam because one of my first missions was to. Uh, capture a hill out in the country, you know, far away from, uh, actually it was uh, 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 not far from our, our LZ Baldy, which is, was out in the middle of the jungle, the major base, helicopter base. And then we, when we retook this hill and two of our personnel got killed by stepping on a landmine, and this <coughs> hill was out in the middle of nowhere, I asked the first sergeant, how the hell did they know we were going to be here? You know, taking this hill in the middle of nowhere, uh, you know, and and he said, "Well, this we've taken this hill before." I said, "What? Well, why didn't you secure the territory? How many times do you have to recapture a hill before you keep it?" And he just shrugged his shoulders and said, "I don't know." So I said, "Okay, we're not securing territory. What kind of a war is this?" So I realized then. And other things tipped me off. We're not trying to win this war. And so that made me extremely angry. And, you know, from that moment forward, I began to take notes. <laughs> right? I was. I realized that this war is being staged, and I'm going to find out who's behind it if, if, if it kills me. Right? It hasn't killed me right. yet, but I found out who was behind it. Okay? And so, and, and yeah. Phil knows who was behind the attack on Liberty, too. Yes, yes. So the that as you brought up the surveillance planes, which are clearly marked with the Star David, the the jets, according to pretty much all the survivors, and I talked to a, a lot of them, uh, none of them uh, saw the ones who saw the jets. None of them um, uh, saw any markings on the jets. Okay. So, you know, they were unmarked as far as uh, all you know, witnesses. Everybody, the crew, yeah, everyone 
said that they were unmarked. Now, that could be um, because the the jets were moving so fast, uh, you know, and they were marked. Um, it could be that they just couldn't see the markings for one reason or another. Um, but, you know, they may have been marked, but none of them saw any markings on the jets. So at that point, and I'm going back to this because you, you brought it up, at that point they, they didn't know who was attacking them. Right. Uh, but the motor torpedo boats, the three motor torpedo boats that attacked them, one of them, the middle one, was flying the Israeli flag. Right. So, and again, as you as you mentioned, that you know they felt, hey, you know, they're they're coming to our arrest. Look, they're racing to help us. Yeah. Um, so we're safe, you know, because at that point, um, only uh, nine Americans were slaughtered. Up to that point, yeah. Up to that point. And they did not know, obviously, that it was the Israelis who had done the slaughtering. Right. And then when they saw the motor torpedo boats coming, again, French. So they were French uh, surveillance planes. They were French jets that attacked the Liberty. And there were French motor torpedo boats Mm. that uh, approached the Liberty. So they saw that, uh, they were coming and that, uh, at a, at a high rate of speed, as you said, and that, you know, they'd be getting help. And, but then they saw that they were Israelis and then they also saw that they weren't there to help them. Right. They were there to hurt them. Um, and there's a lot of speculation from people who are familiar with <clears throat> this sad episode that if the, the, because at the time that they were being attacked by the, by the French jets, of course, Israeli, but they were right. French jets, right. um, that if, if the jets that were launched to come to the aid of the Liberty were allowed to make it to the Liberty, uh, that they could have prevented the, um, the attack by the motor torpedo boats. Mm-hmm. And that's, Probably not the case. Yeah. I would say definitely not the case. As is, as happens, as we found out, uh, and as we continue to find out in all of these operations that you know, bad stuff happens during, there's always war games going on in drills. Right. So there was a war game going on in a drill, and the jets that could have come to the aid of the Liberty were... Uh, slowed down by the fact that a lot of them were armed with nuclear weapons and and they had to obviously take those off and that just doesn't take two seconds right uh, right. so uh, they probably would have not been able to get to the liberty before the torpedo hit yeah, yeah. Uh, unfortunately so it was because that torpedo hit uh, that cost the lives of of more not I'm not gonna jump jump the gun but go ahead I just wanted yeah, yeah. to yeah. Well, uh, this was part of phase two. First was the jets, then was the torpedo boats. And uh, the captain was able to maneuver around, I think he said there were four 
four torpedoes all together, and uh, maybe it was five, but the first few missed, but one of them hit. Only one of those torpedoes hit, and that, that's the, what did the most of damage. And, uh, but he says, then, then they also took a 50 caliber machine gun fire from uh, these uh, PT, oh, PT boats. Is that the correct description? MTB gunners, I yep, guess he calls MTBs, them. yeah, motor yeah. torpedo boats, yeah. Okay. And he says they were no further than 100 feet away, so they could clearly see the, the lettering USS Liberty on the side of the ship, right? So, right. I mean, everything indicate every single piece of in, evidence indicates that the Israelis knew it was an American ship. And uh, obviously, from what you said earlier, that uh, the Israelis had warned the American Navy, uh, get that, give that. Uh, well, the American government, they warned yeah. the American government. Yeah. Yeah. So f before it started, it's obvious that, yes. that the Israelis knew it was an American ship. And they threatened to sink it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So the 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 Navy, the Israeli Navy, um, you know, not only did they launch, as you said, five. It was five torpedoes. Each okay. each one of those would hold mo uh, motor torpedo boats could hold two torpedoes, uh -huh. and uh, they launched five of them. I don't know if one of those three. MTBs didn't have two torpedoes aboard, yeah. or, or if they were able to. Yeah. yeah, right. Which, which you know, the, the history of, of those particular torpedoes was that um, out of all of the, and they were actually German, they weren't French, they were German torpedoes. Oh, wow. This was and an internet, uh, this was World War Three. Yeah, right, right, exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah, they were German torpedoes that, that, that the Jews, uh, you know, procured somehow. And um, they were actually torpedoes that, um, that they were built for seaplanes. You know how, like, seaplanes oh, right. can drop the torpedoes? Yeah. So they were modified Dive to... Bombers. Yeah. Were... yeah. Yeah, they were modified to work on these MTBs. And so um, the history of these torpedoes was that out of all of the uh, times that they were ever utilized and launched, um, and there were like, I think, something like 50, 50 of them in the history up to that point, um, none of them ever hit a target. So they were a faulty... Uh, failure of, wow. a, of, of an armament. Right. The only time that they ever hit something was that the Israeli vessel that launched launched one. It actually turned around and, and blew them up. Wow! <laughs> uh, but otherwise, it had never hit hit uh, a its boomer bomb, a boomerang bomb. <laughs> right. Yeah, it boomeranged. Exactly. Yeah. This was the first time, sadly, it actually ever hit anything, and it had to wow. hit the Liberty. Yeah. Yeah. So. It, it, it hit them in, in it hit them in, in the area where the uh, the spies were right. uh, where the ETs were sadly and yeah. of course as you alluded to earlier uh, this ship was a um, was originally a uh, cargo ship which was built toward the end of World War II and used to ferry uh, troops and supplies uh, between various theaters of war. And they were mothballed, and then then the uh, 
NSA came up with the idea that, well, we can turn them into, you know, seaborne listening platforms. And so, you know, I've been aboard these type of, of vessels and not when I was in the Navy, but afterwards and for this project. And, uh, and it's a lot of space in there. And so it, you know, it, it, it's not like they're not warships, you know, this, yeah, this was right. not a warship, you know, this, this was armed with four fifty caliber machine guns for the purpose of repelling borders, not, right. not to fight a war. Right. Uh, so on top of what they did, they attacked, you know, really a, a non-combatant. Right. Um, exactly. You know, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Clear, the, clearly. A defenseless Clearly ship. not a warship with yeah. 45 antennae, you know, piercing out of its, you know, skin. Uh, well, they knew. Like I said, yeah. they knew. But um, but the point was, was that uh, the motor torpedo boats, um you know, not only launched their torpedoes, and sadly, the one hit and and murdered twenty five Americans. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, with they they murdered um, uh, two Marines. Yeah, they picked up uh, three Marines and rode to Spain. Linguists um, murdered uh, one civilian, which was that fellow you mentioned, Alan Blue. Okay. Out of three civilians that they picked up and rode to Spain and murdered uh, the rest uh, CT sailors, uh, and so they weren't they weren't uh, satisfied enough that they did that, mm-hmm. but they then uh, began to fire all of their armaments into the ship and at close range, and not only into the ship to hopefully hit the boiler, right. which would you know, send the ship really to the bottom. But um, what they were doing was, is they were firing on uh, sailors who were stretcher bearers, right? Of course. Um, and uh, firefighters. So they were they were um, breaking, um, you know, rules that were put into place to protect, uh, yeah. you know, people during battle. Uh, the Geneva Conventions. Right. They were committing lifeboats. He mentions also the lifeboats. They were, as soon as they put the lifeboats out, the Israelis started blowing holes into them before even any, anybody had a chance to disembark, right? And he said that's, that's against the Geneva Convention as well. That's correct. Mm-hmm. That's that's absolutely correct. They they uh, not only did they do that to the to the life rafts that were thrown overboard because they didn't know what was happening. You know, the sailors yeah. they thought they would have to abandon ship. And so they um, they threw them overboard to you know yeah. get the, the the most wounded in into these um, sure. you know these little things and uh, you know the Israelis not only uh, shot shot them up but they even took one that they shot up and they took it aboard the motor torpedo boat as a as a trophy right <laughs> for their kill right yes yeah yeah. Uh, but they didn't realize that it was an American ship, right? No, no, no. <laughs> right. These, these are these are good people. Right, right. Yeah. So after go, going through hell uh, be, between the the jets and the torpedoes and the machine gun fire, uh, a, a, a fifty caliber machine gun round can literally destroy a person. I mean, yes. if it hits you in the right spot, 
it, it can cut you in half. It could tear your shoulder off. It could blow your leg off. These are powerful weapons. I mean, you know, it's uh, it's ungodly what they how much damage they can do to a person. So he he saw yes. several people get hit with these, oh yes with these rounds, and you know, it's, it's something you'll never forget. But after all of this. All of a sudden, here comes this Israeli helicopter. And, you know, I think by this time he realized, he was hoping it was, wasn't was an Israeli helicopter. He was hoping it was an American helicopter. But then he realized it wasn't an Israeli helicopter. And the captain said, all ship's personnel prepare to repel borders. So they realized they were going to, so the, this Israeli helicopter was sending in uh, shock troops to rappel down on the, you know, deck, and make and and then just execute the rest of the crew. That's what the intention was. Agreed. Is uh, what else could be? Yeah. To do that for. Okay. Yes. Yes. Um. So there were two, again, French uh, helicopters, uh, Super Freelon, which. Freelon is a is a French word for hornet. Okay. So they're super hornet helicopters, and they had commandos on board. Um, and what they were thinking was that you know they were there to finish the job. Mm-hmm. And, yes. You know, because the Liberty, as I said, was not a warship. Um, you know they could basically do whatever they want. They couldn't even get into the small arms locker, as you read. Right, uh, yeah. you know, to do anything to fight yeah. back in any way. Um, yeah, they're totally so defenseless. Man, completely defenseless. And Did they even get off one shot? Because how many of those? Uh, you know, they, they had their own fifty caliber machine guns. Yes. Uh, how well, many of those did they have? They had four. Four. Um, okay. Yes, but they they got off shots, but they weren't. They, they didn't get them off uh, because they were shooting. They got them off because uh, one, of, one of the first uh, objectives of the jets that attacked mm-hmm. the ship was to take out the four gun tubs. Right. And so they slaughtered the uh, four Americans who were in those gun tubs. And... Um, one of the gun tubs that got hit by a rocket and murdered one of these young boys um, had ammunition that was cooking off. Oh, boy. And, oh. and because it was cooking off, uh, some of them went off. Okay. And that, that, was, that was all that ever right. happened. But that was it. Yeah, that was it. That was it. They didn't get any, anything off. Right, right, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, they well, thought I mean, they were uh, friends. They thought they were friends, and it turned out to be enemies. Okay. Yes, and that's so, and that's something important that people need to understand is that because there's a lot of people under this mistaken impression that the United States uh, is an ally and vice versa of Israel. Right. Uh, and they're not, and they never have been. Yeah. And Israel's our worst enemy. Absolutely. Besides that, the America. fact of the matter is they're not technically technically allied. So in order to be an ally, you have to have a mutual defense pact or treaty. Right. And there is no mutual defense pact or treaty between the two countries. So they're not allies in really in any sense of the word. Exactly. Exactly. 
So here he's getting ready to, uh, he said he could look one of the guys on the helicopter in the eye, and he gave him the finger, and then the, the Israeli guy gave him the finger back, and he says, suddenly without, I mean, looking, he calls it looking in the eyes of Satan. They're talking about uh, a Jew in the uh, chat room about looking like Satan. And uh, suddenly, without any apparent reason or warning, the helicopter hauled ass out of there like a vampire being exposed to sunlight. The sight of them scurrying off sent a wave of euphoria through the crew. Any idea why that helicopter was called back? Have you found out in the meantime? Yeah, well... What what was happening was that when the jets were attacking, they were not just attacking, but they were jamming the signals. Frequency, yeah. yeah, they were jamming the frequencies of the Liberty. So they weren't just jamming the tactical frequencies of the Liberty. They were jamming the distress frequencies of the liberty right, which is right. which is another war crime mm-hmm. so they wanted to make sure that the liberty was una- unable to get off an sos right and um and this is another thing that that most people are unaware of uh, but again only because i have dedicated so much time and energy to it do i know this stuff it's not by magic. It's just simply by a lot of work. Research, yeah, absolutely. Research, and you know, what I what I uncovered was that the SOSs that they were sending, the Liberty was was, was sending, uh, they were doing it right away. So uh, the SOSs were getting off, uh, right. and even though they were jamming, so they weren't able to jam as they were um, firing. But oh, okay. as soon as they were done firing, then they, they the jamming continued. So it was kind of like a they, they described it, the people who were on board the Liberty, who were in like the radio rooms, the radio shack, they described it as like a buzzsaw sound. Uh-huh. Um, so, so they weren't able to jam all the time, um, but the Liberty did get the SOS off pretty much right away. And it was, it was intercepted by... Um, a carrier battle group uh, that was doing their war games off the coast of Crete, you know, several hundred miles away. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were able to, uh, you know, scramble jets to, um, you know, to come to the aid of the Liberty. Uh, of course, they were turned around twice. Right. Twice. By, yes, twice uh, by uh, the great... Uh, you know, half Jewish uh, President Johnson, and that's another thing that most people don't realize is that Johnson was a Jew, right? Uh, on his mother's side, mm-hmm. which um, makes him a Jew. He was a Jew, yeah, absolutely. A Jew, he he right? was a Jew, no doubt. Mm-hmm. Which probably, um, you know, helps to explain why he was so friendly to the Jews. Right. as a congressman <laughs> and why he did all the things he did for Jews, even against U.S. law. Right. So uh, he really went above and beyond. Well, he, he acted like a Jew. That's you right. know, a Jew uh, has he was allegiance. was a Jewish president. People don't know. He it. was a Jewish president. A yeah. Jew has allegiance to Jews. 
They don't have allegiance to the host country that they live in. Um, they're not, they're not afraid and they're not ashamed of, of admitting that sometimes. Mm -hmm. That's right. Uh, so he was a Jew and he did what Jews do when that scumbag Pollard did what he did that hurt the United States the way that he did. The Jews took a lot of the information that he stole from the United States and they used it to their benefit to get more Jews out of the Soviet Union by giving them U.S. secrets. So these are real scum. This is a real scum of a country and scum of a people. Not all of them are scum. But yeah. the government they, they is They haven't risen to the top yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, right, exactly. Right, right. So, okay. you know, in, in reference to your, to your question about the helicopters, um, why did they take off? Uh, yeah. The evidence points to the facts that um, they were uh, – they were given information from headquarters that the jig was up, that, you know, the U.S. was launching jets to basically just, and, and this is the word they use, to destroy, um, you know, any of the um, uh, planes or ships that were attacking the Liberty. Okay. And, they, and they submitted that message, they transmitted that message in the clear without encryption. Right. So Israel picked wow. it up and they realized that, you know, the U.S. was this was before they were turned around, but they realized that, you know, they were coming. And plus, they didn't know if they were all going to be turned around sure. or what was going to happen. But they knew that the jig was up and that, you know, if they stayed there, that, uh, yeah. Yeah. The, the, you know, but, the most significant military force in the history of the world uh, yeah. was coming yeah. to okay. greet them. Right. So, uh, yeah, if they had actually landed on the deck of the ship. And it probably would have been very difficult because there's so much debris and dead bodies and, and who knows what on the, on the well back. actually it was it would be the it would be the antennae that would prevent them from oh okay from easily from land well yeah I mean I'm talking no the, the helicopters couldn't land but they, that's what they I'm could, talking about the helicopters couldn't land because of the yeah. antennae right right but they would have been able to repel soldiers and get them on the deck okay I think that's what their intention was. And then uh, if those guys are on a deck and then they realize that there's U.S. jets coming to the assistance of the Liberty, they would have they would have had to leave those guys on the deck. Right. Yes. Correct. Okay. So what are these Jew? No, uh, Arab. Oh, no. Jew- Arab. Jew- what are these Jewish <laughs> soldiers doing on the deck trying to kill American right. soldiers? Exactly. Okay. And yeah. and this is really, you know, the one of the main parts of this story, which for some reason people don't ever focus on, is that, you know, here during this so-called six-day war, which was actually, uh, you know, fought a week earlier uh-huh. or, or waged, not fought, waged right. a week right. earlier uh, because it was a sneak attack and uh, it was uh, not because they were being attacked by Egypt. They even admitted that. Um, but it was done a week earlier because the, um, the second in command in Egypt was in Washington, uh, uh, to discuss, um, you know, a ratcheting down of the tensions. Right. And so Israel did not want that. And that's why they did it. So, uh, the U S was apprised of, you know, when they would do it, when they would attack, 
Um, it's it's not that they wanted Israel to attack, but it's just that uh, they didn't have complete control of this situation. And top of it, uh, they didn't like Nasser, uh, who was the head of Egypt, uh, because he was very, uh, he was like a Trump, I guess. You know, he was like nationalist minded. Right, he was. And... Uh, the Soviets, even though Egypt was a was a Soviet client state primarily at the time, um, because the United States couldn't really um, bring Nasser over to their side, because I've read about the diplomacy that happened okay. at that time, because Nasser was very close to the U.S. to certain. To certain right. elements so, of the U.S. So was Anwar Sadat. And, uh, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And they killed so, him, too. Yeah, they killed yeah. him, too. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, so so the Soviets actually wanted Nasser gone, too, uh, because he was not pro-Soviet enough. So they wanted to install somebody else in there. So nobody wanted Nasser except for the Egyptian people, uh, which, of <laughs> oh, course, don't, don't mean anything, <laughs> yeah, because they're right. only, the, only the people. Right. Um, so, you know... They, they knew that Israel was going to launch the attack. They knew that Egypt was not going to launch an attack on Israel. They were simply, you know, amassing troops on their border. Uh, he was kind of like having to puff out his chest or, or rattle his saber. I'm talking about a Nasser in order to show the other Arab countries that he was not, you know, just caving into the Israelis, you know. Because obviously they they didn't want this foreign element in their country or near their country to begin with. None of them did. Um, you know, they just the parasite just dropped down and and started to do what it what it does, what it did and does. And so you know, Israel launched early uh, the preemptive attack mm-hmm. on Egypt, and and so they consider it such a brilliant victory my god the israelis are so brilliant yeah, they're brilliant right. strategists and, god and they protect them <laughs> oh they, they destroyed the you know the egyptian air force in like about an hour the, and they made the desert bloom <laughs> right right but they did all of this stuff they were such brilliant tacticians but they completely botched the liberty mm-hmm. right <laughs> I mean, how could they know everything about everything and still yeah. botch the liberty? Yeah. And that's yeah. like really a, a major part of this whole thing is that, and that shows you how, how, how much this is a lie, another Israeli lie, sure. is that, you know, they, they couldn't have been such brilliant tacticians and still botch the liberty, right? right. I mean, what do you, which one you want? You want to be the brilliant tactician or you don't yeah. want to be the brilliant tactician? Well, Are you really yeah. a tactician? Then how could you screw up the liberty? Well, the fact of the matter is, is that you know their their brilliance really has more to do with the fact that there were Jewish spies throughout these countries that they were living in their host countries, right? Uh, that tipped off the Israelis to a lot of important things that were going to happen within the militaries of these countries, like for right. example. And now there's, and I don't watch television, I think you know that, uh, but there is a um, a program on Netflix about this Israeli spy, Eli Cohen. 
And Eli Cohen was hung, actually, I think, in Damascus because he was revealed uh, that he was an Israeli spy. And one of the things he did was that he, you know, befriended uh, people in the high command of Egypt's army. And he pretended that he cared for them and that they were all the time out on the Sinai. The, the, the soldiers were out there in the heat with no shade. And please let me donate some trees so they can at least stand under the, under the shade. Those trees were used as markers for the 67 attack. So uh, these Jews uh, are sneaky and the way they do things uh, is that, and this is why it really you cannot, tr you know, and this, this is a harsh statement, you know, where you say you can't trust a Jew. That's you right. can't trust a Jew because you don't know if the Jew has allegiance to the host country or they have allegiance to Israel or to whatever it is yeah. to, to be a Jew. Right. And people like Eli Cohen who were caught and hung, and now Netflix through another Jew, that that ugly Jew uh, comedian, quote unquote, and I don't even remember is Sasha Baron Cohen. You oh, know oh. they're trying to rehabilitate, I guess this 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 spy, right? Uh, Cohen. Uh, the way that they succeed is that they have Jews in all of the different host countries who spy on these host countries for Israel. That's so right. it's not that they're 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 smart or they're great tacticians. It's that they have spies in these countries, and that's yeah, exactly what they did yeah, the during civilian, the Six Day Yeah, yeah the, the civilian spies are called Sionim, and those are, uh, in any country they're doing this, they're violating the law of the host country. Correct. Because, yeah, Correct. You, can't, yeah. you can't spy on American civilians for another country, or you can't even spy, spy period, even like for an organization. Spying well, on, that's you know, right. Yeah. That's right. Okay, but, but that's one what of they the, do. Yeah. One of the problems... One of the inherent problems associated with this is, and this is something, again, that, that very few people are aware of and that very few people talk about because they're not aware of it, is that because there are so many dual U.S.-Israeli citizens, mm -hmm. and a lot of those dual U.S.-Israeli citizens are in Israel, it's against the Constitution, not that... They care about yeah, the Constitution, right. the U.S. It's against the Constitution to spy on U.S. citizens. And if they're in Israel, and even though they're dual citizens, you can't spy on them. Right. So that's another way that they figured out to avoid being tracked and spied on is that they would simply become dual citizens right. to protect, to, to provide constitutional protections for their yeah, spying. Which they deny to us in our own country. Yes. Yeah. Of course. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. We, we briefly touched on the Admiral Kidd episode, and he talks about when Admiral Kidd came aboard. A after all of the you know fireworks ended, he comes aboard, takes his, uh, his medals off, and uh, begins to talk like uh, in a friendly manner to the survivors. And then after, you know, he basically gets the evidence. You know, he basically gets their testimony, writes it all down, or takes notes. And then he's about to leave. And he says, is there anything else anyone wants to say? 
buoyed on by the fatherly way he had treated us and letting my sense of trust in him guide me, I raised my hand with a single question. Sir, why didn't we get any help? I was immediately, it, I saw immediately that this did not sit well with him at all. Without answering my question, he walked over to the stainless steel table onto which he had tossed his stars an hour earlier and put them back on his collars. The pins slipped easily into the same holes from which they had come, indicating he had done this many times before. As soon as the stars were in place, perfectly just as they had been when he entered the room, he spoke directly, and I would say threateningly, like Dr. Jekyll had now turned into Mr. Hyde, Okay, fellas, I'm now an admiral again, and I want each and every one of you to understand something. He said, we're talking about national security here, right? It's always national security. Not your personal feelings, not what you did or did not do. I could really give a, an S about that. You listen to me once because this is the only time you're going to ever hear it. You are never to repeat what you just told me to anyone, not your mother, your father, your wife, anyone, including your shipmates, you are not to discuss this with anyone, especially especially not with the media, or you will end up in a, my little prison or worse, unquote. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so he, there's, there's a couple of things about Kid. Uh, one is that um, he did, and again, this is only because I interviewed so many people, and learned what I learned about it, which nobody knows about it right, right. now, mm-hmm. is that uh, Kid actually uh, treated um, the crew differently. So right. he talked to this, the, the enlisted slime, like us, uh, differently than mm-hmm. he did to the officers and the civilians. Right. Uh, for the enlisted slime... Uh, he talked to them in such a way that, um, you know, enlisted slimer usually talk to, you know, as children, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, to the officers and the civilians, uh, he actually commiserated with them. <laughs> uh, and, and it was revealed later on after the probably dual uh, U.S.-Israeli citizen who is unfortunately still alive, or maybe fortunately, um, this uh, Ahron, Ah, Ahron, Jay Crystal, uh, who is a bankruptcy judge here in Florida, but in like southern Florida, like Miami area, which isn't the Florida that I'm in. I'm in the Panhandle, which is Florida. Um, You know, he, um, he came out with a book called uh, the Liberty Incident, which is a slap in the face right. uh, because incident doesn't describe what it yeah. was. Massacre. And so in that book, he collaborated with a lot of Israelis because he's a Jew and he could go there and he knows them all. And obviously he's a, he's a Jewish spy. Right. Um, and it pissed off Admiral Kidd's uh, right-hand man, as you know about, it's in the appendices. Um, and uh, he revealed that Admiral Kidd never for a second thought it was a case of mistaken identity. Right. And, uh, you know, so Kidd, Kidd had one face to the enlisted, <laughs> and he had another face to the officers and the civilians. So, right. 
he was he was angry. Yes, but understood. did threaten and civilian. A Jew, a Jew, uh, a Jew uh, turned him in, <laughs> right? So a Jew, a Jew it, it never wrote fails. a book. Yeah, yeah, a Jew wrote a book saying that they were pals, which they weren't. Right. Um, and uh, you know that motivated uh, Ward Boston to come forward after all of his years of silence. So it was fortunate that this that this mm-hmm. Jew crystal did what he did. Right. Unintended because consequences. Yeah. Very we good. would have never, we would have never known this part of the story for the right. Liberty. Mm-hmm. And, and very because of, because the, because of the Jew arrogance and betrayal of the country that he's residing in, it allowed us to find out about, you know, this part of the story, which is very, very important. Right. Right. Okay. I see we only have about 15 minutes left. I have one uh, major question, and then I'd like to uh, cover the uh, the uh, Admiral. What's his name? Worms Kid? Or, kid no, no, no. Um, oh, one, Thomas War. The War. Yeah, Moore. That's Moore. Moore. M O O R E R. Yeah, right. An unusual name. So, um, why did they drag the ship all the way to Malta? which is way further away than Crete. Why didn't they take it to Crete? Yes, I found that out as well. And again, that's another part of the, the Liberty mythology is that they, um, you know, they could have brought it to Crete uh, where the, there weren't, I found there were no facilities there to repair it in Crete. Uh, that, that's, oh, okay. that's the long short of it. So right. uh, there, there is, there is evidence that uh, some people within the defense establishment would have preferred that the Liberty uh, on its way to Malta sunk because, yeah. um, you know, it would, <laughs> it would take away a lot of the issues yeah. that they're doing, you know, but, but, but again, um, you know, someone might've thought that and said it, but it, it really didn't make sense because they would have had to then go retrieve all this stuff, sure. you know, at the bottom of the sea. Um, and, and that would been... <laughs> right. Well, no, because, because as, as happened uh, with the Soviet, um, uh, missile submarine K-129 uh, in in the 60s, the year after the Liberty, uh, which again, this is something that isn't well known, is that uh, they, um, they actually attempted to launch a, a nuclear missile on Oahu. Wow. And, uh, and they were unsuccessful, fortunately. Uh, but if you remember that huge... Howard Hughes ship, the Glomar Explorer, um, the reason that that ship was created was to retrieve as much as they could of this Soviet missile sub because it sunk yeah. uh, about okay. 300 miles northwest of Oahu uh, to retrieve that. And they did. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that has a lot of significance, uh, you know. Um, in, in, in U.S. Yeah. history with the Soviets. A lot of things right. happened uh, yeah, at the yeah. same time. So, <clears throat> no, they wouldn't have, they probably wouldn't have sunk it, but they had to get it to Malta for repairs. And the reason they wanted to get to Malta for repairs was because they wanted to make it like nothing happened to it when it right. came back to yeah, the United States. They fixed it all up. They fixed it all up, right? Yes, not, yeah. like, not like the USS Cole, which they wanted everybody to see what that looked like because yeah, the Arabs right. did it. So, but when the Jews, I'm not yes, right, exactly, exactly. Yeah. When the Jews do something, 
then they want to cover it up because, and this is something we didn't met, we didn't talk about really, but the reason is, is because, you know, the term Zog, uh, Zionist occupied government, mm-hmm. um, is a fact. Right. And uh, we live in a Zionist occupied government. And because we live in a Zionist occupied government, uh, the Zionists and the Jews control pretty much, um, you know, everything. the machinery of the bureaucracy. And yeah, so everything. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. OK. All right. So, uh, yeah, let me, let's go into the Mora report just a little bit here. And I'm, I'm amazed that this has actually come out. I heard about it, but I never actually read it. Right? You know, so it's, it's contained as Appendix B, dated October 22, 2003. Admiral Thomas H. Moorer, USN retired, former, former chairman, Joint Chiefs of Staff. So that's about as high as you can get in the Navy, right? Actually, in the U.S. military, because it's Joint Chiefs of Staff. I think the only one higher than that is the president, right? Yeah, okay. yeah. So that's that. That's up there, obviously. Yeah. 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 So the, on, uh, here, here's the statement. Uh, it's it got several points here, uh, one through six on this page. Let me turn and see how many are there all together. Looks like twelve points. That on June 8, 1967, after eight hours of aerial surveillance, Israel. Israel launched a two-hour air raid and naval attack against the USS Liberty, the world's most sophisticated intelligence ship, inflicting 34 dead and 173 wounded American servicemen, a casualty rate of 70% in a crew of 294. Number two, that the Israeli air attack lasted approximately 25 minutes, during which time unmarked Israeli aircraft, he's not shy about saying they're Israeli aircraft, dopped napalm canisters on the USS Liberty's bridge, and fired 30-millimeter cannons and rockets into our ship, causing 821 holes, and more than 100 of which were rocket size. Survivors estimate 30 or more sorties were flown over the ship by a minimum of 12 attacking Israeli planes, which were jamming all five American emergency radio channels. So, folks, this contains the Moore Report in Appendix B. Uh, I'm, I'm actually amazed that Admiral Moore had the courage to put this out. Do you have any information on that? That, uh, you know, how in the world did the Jews allow this report to come out? <laughs> it was, you know, it was toward the end of Moore's life. And Moore grew up not too far from where I live right now. He okay. grew up in Eufalia, uh, Alabama. He was a, a real American. And, yeah. um, you know, he, he, he was angered. Uh, and he, he tried to find out as much as he could. He, okay. This is the thing. Like you said, the top military official, the chairman of the joint chiefs of staff, right? Right. He tried to find out as much as, and by the way, the the next most powerful person after the president is, is obviously, uh, the uh, secretary of defense. Yeah. Okay. So that that would have been McNamara at the time. Oh, that Uh, scumbag. Man. Yes. Thank you. Uh, you know, so, uh, you know, Moore uh, tried to find out as much as he could about the and he was unable to do it as the right. chairman of the Joint Chiefs wow. of Staff. This is how this is how secured they had this information. Yeah. This is how how Zog, you know, kept this shielded from Americans. Mm-hmm. Um, and okay. so yeah. Moore, toward the end of his life, put this together 
And there were other American military people who were also disgusted and American diplomats who were also disgusted and regular Americans and American servicemen, ex-servicemen. Yeah. And yeah, so there are many quotes from these people also at the end of the book. And every one of these people was risking their lives by making their statements that Israel did it. Yeah. Yes, yeah. deliberately. Yes. Yeah. yes. Nobody really believes that, you know, it was a case of mistaken identity who knows anything about it. Right. Uh, but, you know, because of really, you know, and, and I, I've said this for years, you know, the Jews aren't the real problem. Your next door neighbor is. Yeah. And the reason, and the reason is because they're sleepwalkers. They're fast right. asleep. And that's yeah. that's what I refer to people as sleepwalkers, yeah. oh, and I don't waste time with if sleepwalkers. If they're not actually uh, complicit with the Jews because they love the Jews so much, how could you criticize the Jews? You're a monster, yes. right? Exactly. Plus, yeah. they're plus they're abysmally ignorant and they yeah, don't know yeah. anything. Right. So that's the problem. And uh, you know, Moore tried to you know bring to fore uh, some powerful people. Uh, it didn't do anything. And again, right. that's why the way that we're going to get this story out is through the movie. Mm -hmm. uh, because sleepwalkers, for the most part, don't read. Right. And so, you know, you could do a million interviews and they're, you could write already, a million books. They're already zombies, uh, right? <laughs> right. That's right. But sleepwalkers are not going to worry about it. So, but when you if, you, if you put popcorn into the sleepwalker's hand and a Coke, and then they sit down and they, they will start to watch their movie, whether it's in the movie theater or on Netflix or on the right. Internet or on Hulu yeah. or whatever these you know, yeah. things are. And they see a true story and they see actually what happened. They see who did that, who did this. They see what the U.S. government did and they just see what happened. Uh -huh. Then that's going to wake the sleepwalkers up a little bit and they're going to say, hold, hold on a second. Liberty is the most decorated ship in the history of the United States Navy for a single action, and I don't know about it, and I never knew about it. Right. I'm just finding out about it now, and Israel, our best friend, did this to us. Why didn't I know about that? Right. And what else don't I know about? I think it's going to, 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 to like, you know, nudge the sleepwalkers, wake them up, and, you know, we're going to have a situation here where, because um, the movie's not going to have a happy ending, right. uh, that they're going to wake up. And, and it's going to affect some change. Yes, yes. Okay, and one more statement he makes uh, in Appendix B, uh, D about the Levon affair. He talks about the, uh, the surviving Unit 131 agents were regarded as heroes in Israel. And uh, this was a, a later uh, a, a affair. And in March 2005, the Jewish state publicly honored them when Israeli President Moshe Katsav presented each one with a certificate of appreciation for their efforts. So the Israelis, no matter, you know, just like with the dancing Israelis, they give these people awards for, for the yeah. terrorist acts they commit, and, you know, which is just more proof that they know <laughs> that they know what they did is evil, and yet they award people for doing these evil acts. It's incredible. That's right. And they did the same thing with Pollard. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, he's he's a hero yeah, in Israel. And Goldstein. The guy That's right. Shot all those Arabs in the back. <laughs> right? a, a, absolutely. Absolutely. So this is a this is a poison, yeah. um, you know, warped yeah. uh, country that the United States obviously. Well, the United States is not the United States anymore. No. 
um, unfortunately. But the United States, if it was the United States, it really should just say, you know, just get out of here, go away. But the problem is, is the money, you know, because such a high percentage of billionaires in this country are Jews. They have the money to fund campaigns and influence politics. And, yeah, and assassins. And assassins. And assassins. They, they know Absolutely. what happened to JFK. That's Absolutely. Why, that's why we haven't had a president assassinated since JFK. <laughs> because the because they, got got the, the, they got the yeah, memo. They right. got the, yeah, they got the message for sure. For yep. sure. Okay, so what about three minutes left? Well, thank you for uh, you know, publishing this book and the other uh, good work you're doing. So uh, why don't you, with a few minutes left, Tell people again how to get this book, and you know, uh, you know, maybe contact information for you and uh, the pub- book publishing you do. You know, go through that one more time, please. Yeah, absolutely. Well, first, you know, let me say thank you, Eli, for what you do. You know, you you are one of my favorites uh, because <laughs> of all the work that you do uh, trying to get the truth out. So. Uh, and I don't do a lot of radio shows, um, but um, I'm always happy to to do yours. Thank you. And Appreciate thank you for what you what you do. And yeah, they they could go to uh, well, the, the website for this book is holocaustonthehighseas.com. But then you just see the book cover, and it says you know buy the book, and then it goes to erasingtheliberty.com. And if you go to erasingtheliberty.com, uh, then you'll see. Uh, it has on the menu bar the books, uh, and so you can click on that, and you can see the two books, and then it also has uh, the shirt, you know, because we have a T-shirt too that is pretty cool. It was designed by David Dees. Well, he designed it um, according to my instructions. Yeah. Um, but um, it's it's really it's a cool shirt. Uh, so if you have the you know really the guts to, to wear this because it's, it's pretty potent. Just <laughs> right. go to erasing liberty.com and you'll see why, um, you know, and we need to get this story out. And of course, um, you know, the movie is going to do it because that's really the only way that, yeah. uh, that it can get out because as I explained, people just don't, they don't read yeah. and because they don't read, it's problematic. And here, here we can have them watch a movie in whatever form it is and learn about the liberty. And then um, it, that's the whole point. You know, let, let the people know about what happened and how is it that every American school child does not know about the most decorated ship in the history of the United States Navy for a single action. The reason is, is because there's a small group of miserable Jews who don't want this information out. And when I found out about this matter, that's when I decided wrong. It's not going to happen. You know, these these this small group of Jews is not going to prevent my son or my son's son or daughter or any of these people in the country from learning about this piece of military history, U.S. history, just because it embarrasses a little piece of crap country right. in the Middle East. So when you so, expect the movie to come out, we have less well, than a minute. Yeah, I, 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 I can say that. This year, after all this fake virus stuff goes away, I'll be traveling uh, okay. to uh, secure the funding for it. Oh, okay. All right. Very good. All right. Okay. Well, best of luck with that, and may may God uh, you know, guide your path in getting the funding for this, because I think it's going to be a major project. It sounds like it. 
right. it is going to be a major project. Yeah. And one last thing before we go, I know we've got a minute left, but yeah. uh, this book, Holocaust and the High Seas, was designed specifically to get it in the hands of as many people as possible yes. to get the truth about it's the a, liberty out. That's why it's small. Read. It's yeah, it's inexpensive. Yeah. Very good. Very, well done. All right, folks, thanks for listening. Praise Yahweh, pass the ammunition. We'll see you all next time. Take care, everybody. Okay, well, we got that in right under the wire. <laughs> oh, man, that was yeah. good. Yeah, it was, it was. All Excellent. Right.